I wanted to uh, introduce our speaker uh, for our product theater and want to certainly thank Amgen for sponsoring that for the society. Um, not only uh, Dr. Wallace, but also our lunch, so really, really appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Paul Wallace uh, has overseen the operation of Wallace of Beverly Hills since 1993. He's a native of Los Angeles. Uh, he's always believed in uh, innovative approaches to helping patients look and feel their best. He specializes in psoriasis in his clinical practice, and he lectures uh, literally across the world. In fact, he's leaving uh, right after uh, our lecture today for Mexico to, uh, to speak to the World Health Organization. So um, he is uh, well-trained and uh, well-traveled, and we're honored to have him. He graduated from UC Berkeley, uh, went on to Harvard Medical School, and did his residency in Los Angeles at uh, Charles Drew Martin Luther King Hospital. So uh, Dr. Wallace, thank you so much. Uh, and without further ado, Dr. Paul Wallace. Thank you. First of all, just a matter of disclosure, um, Amgen is uh, putting this. I'm an agent of Amgen when I'm speaking. I am receiving an honorarium. I do speak for all the other different uh, companies that uh, make biologics. Um, I like them all. Uh, I'm a little bit constrained with regard to um, ad-libbing, but uh, if you ask a direct question, uh, no matter what it is, I can certainly uh, answer it and look forward to the uh, interaction uh, back and forth. I will say in, in my own sort of commentary first, um, you know, the usual thing, I'm, I'm happy to be here, glad to be able to address this particular audience, but I have particular reasons on why. Number one, is, um, I have a sort of a weird setup or practice. Um, in my, I have a, a strictly cosmetic office and I have a strictly general dermatology office, uh, one in Beverly Hills and one in Los Angeles. You can guess which one is where. Um, but the passion that I have, the interest that I have, the concern, the research, and the hours that I spend speaking is about psoriasis. And as much as I want to um, express what's on these slides, more so I want you, because I think better than my um, dermatologist colleagues, um, it's pretty much across the board that the patients know uh, that it is you who are going to have at least more sympathy with regards to their condition. The emotional, the physical, financial um, impact of psoriasis is far more than uh, is usually expressed in an office. Um, one of the things that happens, I do a lot of polling, a lot of questions of my patients, and uh, I'd ask patients, one of the questions I ask is, when's the last time that your primary care doctor has seen you from head to toe? You've come to me with a diagnosis of psoriasis, when is the last time that they checked you? Well, without prolonging it, 90% of them said that it had been over three years from the time that they looked. In fact, many of them don't even get a, an opportunity to see the doc. It is a matter of that they have automatic prescriptions for some usually two-mile topical uh, steroid. Uh, they have become a burden. Um, they have become uh, someone that primary care don't want to see. And too many of my colleagues are treating psoriasis uh, just like it's a, a skin-only disease. We're learning more and more about uh, the things beneath the skin, the issues with regards to the inflammatory disease. The American Academy of Dermatology 10 years ago said that it was unrealistic to tell patients that they would get 50% better or a positive 50. 10 years ago. We weren't saying that. And now, as you know, we're seeing patients at a minimum standard of 75, 90, 100. Obviously, all the patients aren't going to reach there, but the ability to change their lives, the ability to actually get people up, out, into the doctors, and oftentimes, especially for my male patients, it is the wife who has encouraged him to come. In fact, if I ask them, well, how can I help you today? He says, my wife made me come. Understand the fact that psoriasis is more than just that patient. 
Because for every tube that you've ever prescribed, who's putting that on the back? If they're fortunate enough to have a significant other, that other person is very much involved with that. The other person is very much involved with having um, breadcrumbs of those skin flakes that are already in the bed. And imagine having hundreds to thousands of those each and every time you go to bed, but you aren't the one that has the disease. So I hopefully, and I'm under a time constraint, there's a couple of stories I'd like to say along the way. I'm not going to read the slides. You're all professionals, so we'll talk about some slides along the way and go from there. Anyway, I do have to say that this is a promotional um, talk that's done by Amgen and Pfizer, and I'd like to thank Chris and Will and Amy for getting me here. Um, they know I'm excited about being able to talk about this type of uh, problem. Well, Embryo is indicated for patients that are 18 years or older. Um, there are patients which non-label, off-label things that have been used. Um, the, uh, it's administered by injection. The issue with regards to injection was such a big thing 10 years ago. Oh my God, will patients take an injection? Well, we have, of course, um, pediatric uh, uh, patients that are doing uh, insulin on a daily basis. So that whole fear about getting over injections. There's one that talks about, well, how many injections do they take? Well, if you take where a patient is when they come into your office and they've got 10, 20, 30, 40 percent of their body surface area and it's a matter of them taking an injection, you know, back in the old days when I got out of my residency in the, in the late 80s, uh, early 90s, uh, folks were taking baths, they had to, they had tar all over the place, they smelled, they ruined their clothes, it was obvious not only the plaques that they had, um, but the things that they would need to do. They were on oral systemic medications um, that were oftentimes, and we were measuring of course how much methotrexate they got because we wanted to make sure that we did biopsies, dermatology, psoriasis, we do biopsies, of course rheumatology, they give methotrexate. Um, almost forever and never think about doing it, there is a distinct difference between a rheumatoid patient and a patient with psoriasis. Um, so to think about an injection preventing someone to get it, that's way gone, that's a decade behind where we need to be, the dosing 50 milligrams uh, twice weekly. That is at least for the first three months. Now, as excited as I can get as I talk about this, um, it is not to say that there aren't safety concerns. But what it does say is that we need to practice good medicine. It is not one where, for example, you can give a tube and say, okay, don't come back. That's what some of the primary care docs do. We'll give you some triamcinolone. In fact, it doesn't even get back to the professional health care provider. What it is is the, the secretary at the front desk knows, oh, that's Mr. Wallace calling, so we know he gets triamcinolone, so just call Walgreens and give him five more prescriptions. No, what it says is when they're having medic medications such as um, Amgen, excuse me, such as Embro, um, that uh, they have to be watched. Oh, it doesn't take any more time uh, because it used to take us two and a half to three times as long to see a patient with moderate to severe psoriasis as it did to see another type of pa the patient that had another disease type. But now it's about close to one to one. But what it does say is that we need to do our due diligence. Issues with regards to serious infection, letting the patients know if you get an infection, you, you need to contact me and let me know about it. And if it's certainly serious enough for your primary care doctor to think about giving you an antibiotic, then it's certainly something that we need to consider. Because they're on an antibiotic or have an infection does not automatically say that it's contraindicated for them to remain on their medication. But it is one to say you need to follow it along the way. Malignancies, as you already know, that's one of the good things of being able to preach to the choir, as they say, you already know that patients that have moderate to severe psoriasis are already higher across the board in getting malignancies. Pretty much you can name the organ system and there's an increase with regards to those patients with moderate to severe psoriasis, what that rate or incidence is. Lymphoma certainly has been one that we have focused on, and what it really does, again, it says that we need to do our homework, our due diligence, that the primary care doctor um, is also having yearly full exams on these patients. 
the objectives. Um, you can read, of course, the uh, uh, twice weekly, uh, 50 milligrams. They had once and twice weekly We're using this particular study. Um, the usual suspects with regards to the types of patients and the things that we wanted to take a look at, the cardiovascular risk profile at baseline. Now, again, using the adults, again, a posi 10 or greater. You want to have that body surface, and it's so important whenever you're doing the studies that we don't get somebody that's marginally on the baseline. You want to get somebody so that you can really see what the differences are where you are um, using a study drug in particular to make sure that there's no gray area, be on one side or the other. Failure to respond to, uh, or contraindicated to methotrexate, the cyclosporin in that. And of course, with regards to the cyclosporin, there's a number of, of patients, and especially in the uh, demographic area that I see, they may have hypertension, so on and so forth, and uh, or and or kidney disease. So um, it is uh, cyclosporin would be contraindicated. PUVA in Beverly Hills uh, is extremely difficult to get. I'll tell you why. It's not so much that we don't have light boxes, but it's the fact that, you know, it costs $20 an hour to park at my building. And, you know, with the different insurance companies, especially with the HMOs, they're required to do a, a copay. Um, so if they're coming in three times a week, they're paying $60 with regards to that, plus they're paying their copay. Uh, plus the fact it is kind of crowded there, so it's going to take a couple hours on top of what they do. It's really unrealistic. The availability and accessibility of having uh, PUVA is not always there. So wherever your geographic uh, location is, you have to take that in consideration. And that's saying, I said, even as passionate as I am about psoriasis, if my office manager had psoriasis and needed to be gone, um, let's see, nine hours, a week during the course of the week, we would have some issues or problems. So it can affect employment when you even suggest with regards to doing it. The select exclusion criteria are pretty much the, the things that you would expect there, uh, pregnancy, um, the um, having had a live vaccine. It's interesting that they say with regards to four weeks, it certainly varies in what some of us think that uh, can happen. There is no particular guideline on live vaccines other than if you have an opportunity for the patient not to take a live vaccine during the course of uh, their uh, biologic opportunity in particular with regards to embryo, you'd like for them to be able to stop uh, for a while. Uh, endpoints, POSI 75. Okay, secondary endpoints, you want to improve of course with regards to the body surface area. And you know, the, one of the things is I've got, I think I have 12 studies going on right now, but the one thing that's always um, interesting, and at least in my private practice, beyond the, just the study part, um, I'm happy when the patients are happy. Especially in Beverly Hills, I'm happy when the patients are happy. The, um, and as important as I think that it is with regards to trying to deal with some whole numbers, you know, POSI 50, POSI 75, POSI 90. I think not only do you want to achieve that, and you want to achieve that in a very safe way, but you want to make sure that your patients can be happy along the way. And I found that the more knowledge, especially with these patients, because I have many patients who have had this for 25, 30, 40 years, and it can be so problematic that uh, even in Los Angeles, they haven't been to the beach. Let me tell you one little quick story. The, there was a patient that sued, and I, they have Bally's 24-hour fitness probably where, where you are, at least the, the gym that you can say. Well, you can imagine a patient that has, oh, let's say 20% body surface area um, with plaque psoriasis, and then they're, they're um, going to use the treadmill, and they're not too bad, but then they're going to use the um, sit-up machines, um, they're going to go in and use the, the weights and so on and so forth. So one of these clubs, I won't name them, uh, said, look, you, you know, you can't come in. And they're trying to explain the fact that they have plaque psoriasis and that it's not contagious and sad. That's real nice for what we know, but for the general public to see it, um, that's usually not the question. Long story short, they went to court, they won their case, they could go and participate. So what did the club do? They had one person stationed right behind them. So every time they use this weight machine, somebody comes with bleach and wipe it off. Next machine, exactly the same thing. So how embarrassing along the way 
But this is some of the problems that patients have with psoriasis. Um, no one really understands, and there certainly won't be any telethons along the way um, speaking about or raising funds or money or awareness for psoriasis. So it's really upon us to recognize the burden of this disease on the, the patients. Again, the baseline characteristics there, they had um, um, males, uh, POSI scores were, were 21. I like that mean uh, body surface involvement was 33% with 17 years of duration. So not somebody new who had just uh, gotten the disease, but someone who was certainly over a decade had to bear it. Well, there's several studies that have, has gone on throughout the years um, that involved uh, embryo. Now, they start talking about 2001, but actually there were studies that were prior to that time. The clinical trial started in, in the 90s. So for the people that you hear say, oh, you know, this is still a relatively new medication and, and you know, we're still trying to see. It's been out for more than 15 years. And you're talking about one of the things by being um, not necessarily the first one that was out, but certainly the biggest one that was out, certainly the one that was the leader that has been out, uh, it's been looked at in a variety of different ways. And certainly there have been those who have really scrutinized what's gone on. Fifteen years and the safety record has certainly been uh, very compatible. What I want to get through with regards to this slide, the results, and we saw it on the other, with the mean posi improvement, as you see, these keep getting better. And one of the things that we're finding is, and as I'm doing the, the um, long-term studies, is that the longer the patients are on this medication, the better it appears. All of the newer studies coming out that we've done that looked at things at one year, three years, five years, seven years, tends to be that. Some of the things are yet to be published. However, there is certainly the progression of showing, as the slide shows, that um, you're getting better from baseline um, throughout. And this interesting part with regards to the scalp, many of you know how difficult the scalp can be. Um, there's certainly that difference between, there is a, a, a gender difference. Not so much in terms of incidence and that, but the, the way that society accepts this. Males, for the most part, can get away with it. You can have the plaque psoriasis, it can be on the back of your hand, so on and so forth. Some might think, oh my goodness, they, they work um, as a mechanic, so on and so forth, they're, they're out. There's not a lot of slack with regards to females. Um, I spoke at a, a group not too long ago, a couple of months, during the heat streaks in, in Texas. Um, you know, consecutive days of being over a, a 100 degrees, um, I think it was something like 45 days or so on and so forth. It's extremely difficult, far more difficult for females to figure out what to wear to work five days a week, to have clothes thick enough so that you can hide, because you can't always wear a sweater or a shawl, so on and so forth, especially in 100 degree weather. Whereas I'm pretty much in this type of clothing all the time. 90% of my body is already covered up, so I can hide that. So there's, those gender differences certainly need to be taken into consideration, again, what is the physical and emotional impact of the disease on the patients that you have. Well, the scalp you can't hide from. And uh, when it's around the scalp, it's on the edges, around the ears, not only is it uncomfortable, it's so unsightly that, that you, know, you can see through the hair, you can see the flakes that, that are there. It's important that that be addressed. Sometimes in many cases I get, they said, well, it was working on my, on, you know, the topicals were working with regards to the back of my hands and I could wear long sleeves and I always wear only pants or I wear long dresses, so on and so forth, but I can't do anything with regards to my hair. I have to wash it every day. It gets oversensitive. I can't do any uh, processing of the hair. We're going to talk a little bit about this Prestine study and the study design. Um, the 20% of the patients were taking the embryo 50 milligrams uh, twice a week, and they were using a concomitant topical steroid therapy. I use topical th uh, therapy on all of my patients. Um, I try to make sure and educate them. Of course, we already know about the fact that prolonged use of using a high-dose topical steroid can have side effects. So, um, and before we had a class of medications like the biologics, before we had something like Embryo, um, 
psoriasis patients were um, pretty much addicts. They were going around from doctor to doctor getting high dose uh, topical steroids. They get it from the dermatologist, and then they get it from their family care uh, practice doctor. They get it from the pediatrician. Oh, by the way, they had twisted their ankle and they went to an orthopedist and said, you know something, I, could you give me another tube of this, so on and so forth? So this drug-seeking behavior actually stopped once we started treating and had a better um, efficacy with regards to what we could offer. And uh, Embro certainly played a significant role with regards to that. Okay, back to this, this study. Um, very interesting, look at the, the pictures here. I think they're always there. We, we are in a visual um, specialty uh, from baseline to week 12 to week 24. Also, uh, the, the fact of seeing how the POSI 75 response uh, went up to 78%. Again, as these studies are going on, I know this is not the first discussion you've had with regards to Embro, you'll see that these POSI scores continue to get better as time goes on. And this is over a 24-week period. Again, uh, let's take a look at this at um, the Embro at um, twice a week and at uh, 50 milligrams and, of course, um, the once a week of catching up with regards to an 82 percent with regards to the mean percentage of improvement. Um, my patients aren't going to be happy with that 24-hour week. I mean, excuse me, 24-week uh, uh, picture. I'm going to have to do something a little bit more aggressive with that. Uh, however, with the use of um, some topicals um, and getting them to uh, improve, one of the things that I found with regards to the patients with psoriasis, you know, if you take a look and did a uh, profile on patients with moderate to severe psoriasis, what you'll find is it's almost a mirror image of patients with depression. A sense of hopelessness, um, of course the depression components that's there. Um, they shy away from uh, other um, uh, sociable uh, events. They often um, sleep a lot, overweight, alcoholism, um, drug use, spousal abuse. And if you did the mirror images, if you took the depression and you looked at uh, patients that had moderate to severe psoriasis, you can see that. The great news, and even as it's, it's sort of reflected in this, even, I tell you, even at about four weeks, you start getting them to notice the change. And once you get the ball rolling, once you start seeing that, it's sort of just like my cosmetic patients. My cosmetic patients, one of the things that I do is I deal with cellulite. Well, once you see the patient starts recognizing that cellulite's going, then all of a sudden they're up, they're working out, they're concerned about their diet, um, and you start seeing this rapid progression of how well or how quickly that they can go. Is it all the medication? No, it's also part of a state of mind, because we know how far the mind can take us with this. And especially with regards to psoriasis, you know that stress can certainly cause the psoriasis to, to have a flare. Well, it can also go in the opposite direction. So when you give these patients some hope, when you give them some direction and they can see what the outcome is going to be, you'll be surprised on how well, how efficacious the medication in their whole life situation seems to be. Okay, some of the secondary endpoints, looking at the physician um, global assessment, um, again, approaching this with um, a great scores, a percentage of uh, subjects with uh, respective scores, um, uh, both along the way, even with regards to from the uh, embryo at 50 milligrams uh, once a week up until twice a week. Now, the physician satisfaction was always one. I, I, I really am only satisfied when my patients are satisfied. But with regards to, to this, 89%, um, 92 at 12, 89% uh, satisfied with regards to the, um, the study. Now, with the patient satisfaction, it's great to see that you have 89% of the, the docs are satisfied, 87% of the um, patients are satisfied with regards to the treatment. This is something that's also um, historically has not crossed paths. What has been the, the issue? 
it's asked of the physicians, do you feel as though that you're giving the appropriate treatment to patients with psoriasis? And 73% of them said yes. When the patients were asked, less than 50% of them thought that the, that the uh, dermatologist was giving them the medications necessary to make a change in their life and to be um, effective enough with regards to the disease. So that mismatch just says that the dermatologist isn't hearing something. The dermatologist isn't recognizing and understanding what the impact of this disease is on those patients and being a bit more aggressive, um, addressing um, as first line often with a more aggressive medication is certainly more appropriate if they fit within the criteria of moderate to severe um, plaque psoriasis. Now the story is also the fact that the American Academy of Dermatology has said that usually about 5% of the body surface area needs to be involved for you to consider it to be moderate to severe. I totally disagree on a certain part of that. I couldn't stand up here today if the bottoms of my feet uh, had fissures and they, they were bleeding and they were painful. Um, that would only be, what, 2%? Uh, if my hands, again, were fissured with plaques on them, again, maybe another 2%. So I balance the two things on not only what the body surface area is, how does it affect the patients functionally in their personal life, in their social life, in their work environment? So these are the sort of questions that have to be asked along the way, not just how are you doing today or how's the psoriasis. Very important, I'm, and I'm more excited with regards to being able to say to have a medication, again, that can have the efficacy, but also have the safety. Take a look at um, this. Look at the serious infections, and let me mention about the TB. I'm sure I'm going to have to talk about it later. But TB, the, the geniuses really found out that once we started testing for TB prior to starting them on, Embro uh, or any of the biologics, that the numbers came down in terms of um, any reactivation of the, t uh, the TB. So in my office, of course, um, a yearly TB test, and because I have of certain populations that come from endemic areas or visit or have relatives or so on and so forth, I might do it more frequently, um, and we certainly use the goal um, uh, quantifieron on some of our patients, especially those who have uh, um, uh, migrated and it's unclear whether or not they have had um, uh, a vaccination earlier in life. Uh, with regards to this, um, again, I have to mention the fact that there can be um, associated uh, serious infections in that. Those numbers are very real, but also very small. Overall, the serious adverse um, uh, problems with the injection site injections, that's uh, uh, injection site edema, that's always going to be number one. The uh, patients are a little bit uncomfortable initially, um, not knowing where they're going to use. Most don't use. In fact, I don't have any patients any longer using a syringe. They all use the, the pin. Um, they're all very comfortable um, with that. Um, even those that uh, my senior patients, I've got some patients, I've got one patient that's 90 years old um, who has some problems with the psoriatic arthritis that's also involved, but they're able to manage uh, the pins that are there. Um, it is also a fairly common that is initially that patients may have some flu-like symptoms. They may have some um, nasopharyngitis. They may have a mild headache. I would say that 99.9% .9 of these patients, those problems seems to uh, go away in the first couple of weeks. Um, clinically um, chemistry, uh, chemistry labs, um, rarely, but each year I get a full panel. I get a comprehensive metabolic panel. I get a CBC. I want to find out hepatitis B, hepatitis C. And for most patients, I ask to do an HIV on them. It is so thoroughly important that we ask with regards to especially the hepatitis 
B. Hepatitis C, as you know, when treated with an anti-TNF, especially with Embro, these patients seem to do even better with regard to their uh, recovery. Um, so, in summary, um, using the Embro at 50 milligrams uh, twice a week was effective in moderate to severe psoriasis. You had posies between 62 and, six, and 78 percent. Um, these are 12 and 24, and I hate to have to present that to you because we've got, and certainly they have, numbers that talk about two, three, four, five, and six years. I can tell you that my own personal experience are that the patients do extremely well uh, throughout the issue with regards to adverse side effects. There's all types of things that can happen along the way. We've had patients that had um, car accidents and um, it is a discussion between, for example, their surgeon, myself, the primary care doctor on whether we will continue them. What it says is we must monitor these patients. They are not ones who can be just given medication and um, pushed to the self. I'm going to end it with a one little story that I that, and again, I said the, the passion that I have for talking about this disease process, I have, and this is my patient. I had a patient, um, a mother, uh, she's 31 years old, had finished her college education, got her law degree, um, got married, had the child that she wanted, was, which was a little girl. Her dream was that she wanted to be a, um, a den mother for the, the, the brownies. She wanted to go through that. She had it there. Daughter grows up, uh, is old enough, I guess so she's six, seven years old. And so it's a sleepover. All the girls come over to the house, five or I think that she said somewhere five to seven uh, came over, and she has all the arts and crafts. Everything's beautiful. She's just glowing in what goes on. Then it's time to eat, but while she was serving the food to eat, some of the girls saw the plaque on her scalp and on her hand. And of course, as they did, they started doing, what do they call it, telephone? And by the time it got around the table, she had HIV. And she was trying to give HIV to each one of them. So of course, they refused to eat, and one by one, they. Um, called their moms and they went. So at the end of the night, there's nobody there. Well, the story doesn't end then. Because what happens on Monday when you have to go to school? Everybody in the school knows that the little girl's mom has HIV and she tried to give it to them. Long story short, had to move her out of the school district, so on and so forth. I say that there'll be no telethons for psoriasis. There's little education that the general public understands about it. And even I have to admit, as I've seen waiters or bankers or so on and so forth hand me money or whatever it's going to be, and I see the plaque, I have to step back for a while. So being able to treat these patients uh, aggressively and certainly making sure that they stay, you treat those that fall within the standards with medium, medium uh, moderate to severe uh, plaque psoriasis, I think that you owe it a second, owe them a second time of thinking about exactly what is the impact and how can I make a difference with these patients. Um, safety information, which again is always important. Uh, we spoke about serious infection. The key with regards to is educating your patient to make sure that they inform you if they have, and you can tell them what the guidelines are. My guidelines are if it's anything that you think that you need to contact a doctor about and or you're getting an antibiotic on, I want to know about it. And then we'll make a, a decision. The issue with regards to TB, the greatest thing that you can do is to make sure that you have either that PPD, you have the um, uh, quantiferon test, and or you have a uh, chest x-ray. I have two um, infectious disease docs that I use for questionable things. I want to have a team together when I do or make a decision that I'm going to put any uh, uh, give any patient uh, a medication. With regards to malignancies, as I mentioned before, uh, lymphoma certainly has had the most uh, attention. What it says is that we have to pay attention to what goes on. I require my patients to be followed by their primary care doc. I'd like for them to be seen twice a year um, by their primary care doc. 
although I only do blood work um, and have a requirement uh, for them to do it uh, once a year. The uh, issues with regards to melanoma and other cancers, obviously, you know, there are certain um, places in the country, especially uh, Southern California, the, the Midwest, uh, when the plaques come off, the cancers appear. Well, there's many that think that the cancers were already there, um, and I would tend to agree with that. Um, pediatric patients um, were the, the group that had the highest risk with regards to having a malignancy, and they certainly need to be followed carefully with regards to the, um, the use of, of Embro. And of course, that is um, not part of the label for plaque psoriasis, um, that neurologic events, demyelinating diseases can be problematic. You want to ask the patient more than the general if they have any numbing, tingling that goes on, any transient blindness. Ask about the family history. Mothers, fathers, aunts, grandmothers. Have you heard of anyone doing that? And again, not contraindicated. What it says is that we need to pay attention um, if indeed that's the case. Congestive heart failure, you know in congestive heart failure, there's certain gradients along the way. Those who have it the worst, um, you have to watch carefully. Those who have the beginning or minimal amounts with regards to it, not that you don't watch them, but you do want to make sure that a note of what goes on. The hematologica events, there have been some cases where um, I have heard, read, and heard other speakers talk about a pan a cytopenia. I haven't experienced it in all the patients that I have, but I do require, again, once a year, a complete uh, metabolic panel and a uh, CBC. I mentioned the hepatitis B. Hepatitis B um, virus seems in some patients to be reactivated. It is a flag in terms that you want to know that, which is reason why on a yearly basis that I have it checked. The interesting part, again, is hepatitis C. When using a biologic along with the treatment, it seems to um, be an adjunct in terms of the, the um, efficacy of their treatment. Allergic reactions, um, just a moment on that. Interesting enough, there have been reports of there being an anaphylactic reaction to certain anti-TNFs. The interesting thing is that it doesn't seem to go across the board of the family. So you could be on one uh, medication and have an anaphylactic reaction, then you can go to another and have absolutely nothing. Also, there can be some variance with regards to the amount. There are some patients who could have a problem on a higher dose, but on a lower dose not have a problem at all. So we haven't been able to really figure that out. I mentioned um, uh, immunizations. Immunizations, you don't want to um, recommend taking Embro, for example, or any of the anti-TNFs uh, and taking a live vaccine. But in my business, we can't always help that. I have a number of people coming in, they just have finished doing a casting, they're going over, they're going to go to Saudi Arabia, they're going to do this and that and the other, and they leave next week. Well, the great thing with regards to using a medication like Embro is don't take your medication this week. I want you to take the vaccine and then I want you to go. Because you know, if you stopped the Embro, the patients who are using it, it's going to take 90 days before they revert and go back to baseline anyway. So missing an injection or two is not a problem. But I'm not at all suggesting that they do this on any regular basis. Very much so, we want them to stay with the routine and the regimen which was prescribed, which is on a weekly basis, because there they will maximize what the efficacy is in terms of using the, the medication. And the autoimmunity, any of these medications that are, are used, Obviously, when you're putting anything into the body, you can have um, antibodies made to it. One of the reasons on why you want them to stay on the routine is because you want to minimize the um, increase of antibodies. There are several studies that show that going on and off, on and off, you can increase the uh, antibodies. Now, there are a variety of different types of antibodies. We don't have time to talk about that. The ones that we're most concerned about are the neutralizing antibodies. And all medications have neutralizing antibodies, but again, staying true to 
the regimen in which you're supposed to take it can minimize that. Um, wet nurse, um, alcoholic hepatitis, uh, adverse events, all important, all with regards to any of the immunosuppressive agents need to be looked for. Um, drug interactions, the wonderful thing about it is because there's so many concomitant diseases and morbidities and, that patients have, um, you can use uh, Embro with most things. With that, I'll conclude and certainly answer any questions that you might have. Have, yes. you, have you yourself used uh, Embrel in pediatric patients? And if so, how did you do your dosing? Um, the, the answer to that is yes. That is an off-label use, and I use the lower doses. Actually, 25 milligrams I may start them on weekly. Down to what age? At what age? Um, I have a, I started, I have a five and seven year old now. Uh, my question was, uh, how many of your patients do you have on BID dosing? BID? I mean BI week. Um, how many? I would say the vast majority, um, I, well I start everyone um, at, at their, the, the label says that at three months that it decreases. Uh, I think that if it's appropriate um, uh, and the patient uh, uh, can tolerate it, can handle it, I think that's absolutely fine. But oftentimes, although off-label, um, I may request that it remain for a longer period of time. Sometimes the patients go for six months, nine months, or, or a year. And things change because in the, the time of the season, the stress that they may have in their life. So where it wasn't functional, um, it's say using uh, 50 milligrams uh, once a week, um, is now. So again, getting a little bit more history on what's going on in their lives may play an important part. Yes. I actually have several questions. So these are questions my patients have asked me. Um, one of the big controversies that I get in my practice is, can I get a flu shot and do I have to stop my embryo to get it? Yes, it's not a live vaccine. So they don't have to stop their embryo to no, get they the don't. flu shot. The when to stop surgery and when do you restart the embryo after they've had surgery? You work in conjunction with the surgeon. If the surgeon has an understanding of what biologics are, all of you know more than most of the surgeons. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, they don't the, have an opinion. So helping to understand that because they have to be comfortable in what they're doing. Um, there have that's a sort of a negotiation between you and the surgeon. Yeah, the surgeon had no answer. My patient actually called the company who told them two weeks to start two weeks and to not go back on it until they felt better. That was the answers that we got. Yeah, they're very vague and, and it depends on what the surgery is, um, how well the patient is, um, you know, so all, all of those go. It certainly suggested that while they're in the hospital, uh, you may not want to do that. But again, it's per person and the severity of their disease. Okay. And my last question, this is a patient I had a um, lady in her mid-60s with um, psoriatic arthritis and plantar um, palmar pustular lesions. Mm. When she started her embryo, she got a dramatic increase in the number of pustules. They migrated instead of the instep. They got between her toes. She couldn't walk for two weeks. She didn't even call me and tell me about it until after it was already done, surprisingly. But she stayed on the embryo and eventually cleared. But have you seen that kind of response? I certainly have heard that. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> you, you hope that they certainly will uh, um, be in contact with you. But, you know, patients who have psoriasis have often dealt with this for years, decades on their own. And they have their own ways. And, you know, I have patients who go to the Salton Sea, and I have patients who do a variety of different things. So they're going to use that. And you, can you go a day without hearing some type of psoriasis treatment on the radio? Uh, skin cap, this, that, clear, so on and so forth. So oftentimes those things will be um, uh, utilized. Uh, again, the education and making sure that they come to you and that. 
Now, there, there are some other um, medications that may need to go along with that. I don't know if you use any uh, systemic medications, um, uh, what topicals you use, but a combination of that uh, is usually what I would have to uh, prescribe for that patient. Well, this is a patient that I took off a of methotrexate because of terrible side effects and some GI changes that were going on. But if I had known, what should I have done? Just added adjunct therapy for her to get her through, or should I have considered stopping her enroll? Well, you know, that's a, that's a hard spot for me to be able to answer specifically with her because I'd like, I'd need to have more information about, uh, you know, making sure that uh, this patient was compliant, um, you know, which topicals had they used and or failed with. Um, maybe a sprinkle of a little light might have been um, good for them. So utilizing all the tools that you have um, is what the, the art of practicing the medicine is. Thank you. Yes. Can I, sorry, I just wanted to say something about um, that, your case with the, the hands. I don't know if she's actually walking out. But um, it usually, so I've actually had a couple patients with, uh, who I've started on Enbrel um, who have pretty se severe psoriasis, and then they end up with this pustular palmar plantar psoriasis that's actually incredibly worse than they were before, and their entire body is much better. Right. Um, however, what I've done is put them on cyclosporin, mm -hmm. um, because, or you can start someone who does have palmar you know, palmar, palmar involvement or the plantar involvement, cyclosporin tends to work better and then either hold the embryo or continue the embryo as long as you do taper off the cyclosporin. And, so. the, and the question often comes on whether or not there's been a, uh, a change and on their hands and palms, whether they, you know, have they changed from plaque psoriasis to the palmar posture one, that can be a hard one to call. One of the things that I always do on those patients is, is some occluded treatment uh, also. Yes. Yeah, I have a young woman, she's in her mid-20s and she has a history of HPV and she's had abnormal pap smears but she's been managed with colposcopies which have been normal um, over the last oh, year or two. Um, what would your feelings be of putting her on a biologic? Would that be a contraindication with that abnormal well, my, my initial thought is I'd certainly, again, I'd work in conjunction with her uh, GYN. And as we negotiated, uh, talked with the family, I really believe in giving patients a, an understanding about their, their risk. So it may mean an increased number of appointments, maybe on a quarterly uh, basis that she sees the GYN. Um, and of course, you know, we're always still looking at studies to try to see if there's any trend in that pattern. The, the problem, again, and, and out of all the things that I've said, if the patient's obese and also has uh, psoriasis, just multiply everything by several factors. I mean, they, they in terms of malignancies, um, uh, adverse events, um, the increased weight, that's usually about 25 of the body um, mass index or above, they have tremendous problems. And if she fit, fit into that category, again, closely watched. But it's all according to how bad the psoriasis is. You know, if it's something that you can back off and, and uh, um, uh, treat adequately, uh, then you might make that a consideration. Uh, but quality of life is so important to me and so important as the patients tell me, I'd, I'd balance the two. Yes. That's my question is quality of life. Um, question's not specifically regarding to Embrel, but given that patients often are kind of shuffled aside at family practice, do you ever consider treating them for their depression or do you refer them or what are your thoughts on the, the depression? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I often think of the depression very much as I think of patients who have very severe acne. Depression is because of the acne. If I can get you, and as the, the numbers show there, even after two, four weeks, you start seeing some improvement, that whole part of the sense of hopelessness is gone. Now it's a matter of encouraging them and say, look, you know, you're, you're getting better, so let's start talking about diet. And now there's no reason for you not to at least walk around the block. Um, once it starts going, you know, that's a hard curve to, to, to get, but once you can get them to the top and things start going downhill, everything improves in their life. 
So um, I have two questions, actually. The, my first question is I have a patient who is, um, she's of childbearing age. She does drink. She has a history of melanoma, mm -hmm. um, which was sentinel node negative. Uh, she has horrible plaque psoriasis over about, it's like greater than 50% of her body surface area. And the only thing I could think of treating her with would be a biologic such as Enbrel. Um, because there, I know a recent article came out and they said that it was kind of un, you know, kind of like there was no middle line ground where anyone could meet with all the other providers deciding whether or not to use Enbrel or not, you know, or just not use it, but there's no other option with her. Any suggestions or? What certainly isn't contraindicated. No. But again, what it says with this particular patient, you're going to have to see her probably quite frequently. Yeah, we already I mean, do you, every three months. Say for, again? We already do every three months for her uh, skin check. And if that's your comfort level, then I would say fine. And, and it may be, again, what her level of education is on how compliant she can be with the instructions that you give, self-examination involving the, the um, significant other. Uh, what I also ask patients, and especially in a case like this, I would have her get her significant other um, do a photograph of her chest, her, her face, her chest, her legs, her back, her butt, her legs. Mm -hmm. And I tell my patients, what I want you to do is I want you to keep this file. And if I have the privilege of continuing to be your provider, you still bring that in. We can stick it into the computer. And so if the husband says, you know, there's something on the right lower back, and we can do a comparison with that. I think with her, it's an absolute that you're going to have to have some photographic um, history so that you can watch her along the way. And then I also have another patient who has um, hepatitis B. And I'm sorry, had what? Hep B. Yes. And it is cro you know, chronic. Mm -hmm. um, what do you suggest for a patient like that? So she, can, she cannot do light treatment either. Obviously, you can't do methotrexate because her liver. Um, and it, you know, it, it says a check hepatitis panel before starting someone on Enbrel or any of the biologics. However, do you treat the Hep B with or Hep C? prior well, to starting them, or do you just stay away from it altogether? Clearly, you, you aren't responsible for the yeah. treatment of yeah, any sorry, of the not other things. Refer to hep and just, hep just, hep just a note so that all of you know uh, in your offices, um, with plaque psoriasis and the issue, it's not part of my talk, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, um, the whole issue with regards to metabolic syndrome and having increase with regards to their glucose, increase with regards to their their lipids, triglycerides, so on and so forth, you have a responsibility, a legal responsibility of telling the patient that they have a problem that must be checked out by primary care. You have no responsibility to treat it, but you do have a responsibility to inform them and put it in the chart. Put it in the chart that you've had this discussion with them and in my office, we demand I will not have a patient that doesn't have a primary care doctor doing, as I said, a full physical exam at least once a year. Thank you very much.